from your experience, what are some of the good implementations of HRV and some, what are some of the bad ones? Because they're both available, uh, given that there's so much happening with HRV in this, in, in this world right now. Yeah, that's a really, really good question. Because, you know, as we talked about, we don't know necessarily the, the value of, you know, truly measuring nocturnal HRV. We don't know the value of, of various things. And truly, right, we have an idea and we kind of are going with it and, and start to be able to, you know, as we apply, we start to be able to kind of formulate the science around it and what we can possibly do and think of different ways to be able to do that. When it comes to, to Harvey Variability, and this is, I think, the biggest reason why we came up with the foundations of Harvey Variability course, is that you cannot look at HRV in regards to a, to a silo, right? And this is originally was very, you know, very frustrating with, you know, helping people early on with Harvey Variability in particular, is that people think that it's purely to do that if I could train hard today or not, right? Readiness for physical activity, right? And the... the I remember this, these questions all the time of saying, you know, I, I exercise very, very hard. I had a rest day yesterday and my HRV is worse today. How does that make sense? And I go, well, you could have, you know, had McDonald's and pizza for, for your food. You could have had fights with various people. You could have gone to bed later. You mess up your circadian rhythm. Like there's so many other factors that kind of come into when it comes to understanding heart rate variability in regards to stress management and using this, this this biomarker appropriately, right? So it, I think using it in the silo, uh, we also had the other end of the spectrum where, you know, someone was doing breathing training, right? And really focused on doing 10 weeks of breathing in particular. And, you know, doing this is like, well, why isn't my HRV improving as I started going into it? You know, they eat fast food primarily for their, their main meals. They have, they were, they're night shift workers. So their sleep schedule is all over the map. They don't, they're not physically uh, active at all. They have pre existing health conditions. And it's like, okay, well, there's significantly more factors that are coming in. So I think the, the poor application of, of Harvey variabilities, when you start to think of that, that this equals that, right? Or is they look at the, looking into a silo that it's purely for physical performance, it's purely for stress management, it's purely for this. And it's you can't necessarily do that. And this is where I think you have to look at all these factors of what's going on. I, and I think it's probably one of the biggest reasons why heart rate variability hasn't been very much adopted into a lot of medical clinics, a lot of, of clinics in particular. The reason was because there's so many things that can affect it. And that's the number one question that I, when I do consultations with medical doctors or other practitioners like physio, physical therapists, osteopaths, massage therapists, so I go, okay, well, my client's HRV based on on standardized data is lower than it should be. What do I do? Right? Well, I have to know your patient inside and out to be able to kind of be able to prioritize those factors. And so I think the best application is looking at this as more of if you introduce something into your life, whether it's a change of diet, whether it's an exercise plan, whether it's, you know, a, a journaling or, you know, starting to be do more social events. What is the individual impact of changing the various aspects of my behavior, right? If I change this behavior, how does this equate into what's going on, right? I'll give you an example. I absolutely hate running. It is, I, 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 there's no such thing for me as a runner's high. I, I you know, despise every step that I got to go for it. But HRV-wise, subjectively, all the markers that come from my psychosocial assessment, as well as from when it comes to wearable products, is a significant benefit to me. I feel better. My energy levels are higher. I sleep better. All these things come in pact of me having to be able to introduce you know, running. And so I use that saying, hey, but you know what? I do not like it very much. Uh, I live by, uh, by the beach, and so it's literally just a bunch of hills, so it makes it even worse. 
But I know the value of doing that intervention as much as I don't like it, but it's of value to me. It's enough of a value that I see the benefit of doing it. And it's just like any other intervention. And the number one question that we get from people is, you know, when they introduce something that they've already done, right? So say, you know, people have some psychosocial aspects, they, they you know, lack emotional regulation. And we say, you know what, one of the best ways to do that scientifically is through journaling. Well, I've done journaling, right? Is this going to be a benefit to me? Right. I don't I don't know if it is. People will journal, people meditate. Didn't make a difference. They don't know because it's purely based on subjective. And this is where again I find the value of looking at Harvey variability is that we see this now in people because of the ability to get these passive captures of these wearable devices, where we start to see 50% to 100% improvement in someone's nocturnal Harvey variability metrics in as short as four to six weeks in regards to introducing something as simple as journaling. Right. We have I have an example of a client that I have that exactly is what happened to her. Right. By her journaling in four week time, we're able to show a significant improvement in her nocturnal capture, literally from just introducing journaling and giving the purpose of why journaling is there. Why are you journaling in particular? Start doing it and be able to do it now. She didn't like it before. She now sees the value of actually doing it. So she'll dedicate the time in order that that happens. So I see that the value of putting emphasis in regards to if you have to change your behavior for your health and well-being, is this intervention worth it for you? I think what, what I noticed is that what you're essentially saying is that the simplistic definition of HRV can often be misconstrued into many different ways, just like data, right? So you can torture data enough to, to make it become anything you like. That's the fallacy of this space. Basically, what, what's going to happen is that for the next few years, as we develop the platform and as, as a lot of data platforms around human health develop, people are going to believe what they want to believe because often health is your own definition of health. It's not somebody else's definition. Uh, whether you're healthy or not is your own understanding. And, and a lot of people would actually say that, oh, my HRV dipped, so I do feel in a certain way. Or my HRV rose, I do feel in a certain way. Whereas these two things might lack a lot of context. So having the context is actually probably equally equal or probably even more important in many cases. And it's really like a compass. It's not like a map. It's sort of like a direction that you can, you can sort of like use it like a, like a directional marker, but you can't let it drive your life because unless you have context, you'll be driven to places where it does not make sense. Well, this is a very interesting definition because what we have been seeing is that as variables become more and more popular, it's often easy to sell a score and a trend and say that, oh, this is what it means. And uh, most people who train can often be convinced that they have overtrained. Uh, it's just human psychology, right? I mean, you don't know your limits and the other way around as well. Other way around as well, like you can convince somebody that you have not trained enough as well. So it's, it's going to be important to actually set the right guardrails in terms of the interpretation of this data, leave alone the, the ability to extract this data. That itself is sort of like a different subject. But before I stepped into this podcast, Somebody asked me, and I, I was speaking to a friend, and uh, the friend wasn't aware of the HRV space, and the friend actually asked me that, why in this entire world would you actually track HRV out of everything else? You have so many things to do in life. So I have a few answers, but I, I'm sure that I wouldn't have an answer that will be as compelling and as interesting as what you would have. So I would love to hear your version. Yeah, it's funny. It's as I do this more and more about tracking HRV with with people is that it's it's for a specific person. 
right? Some people, uh, like my wife, for instance, just wouldn't do it. Like it's not motivating to her. She doesn't necessarily want the information. She was more about how her body feels and things like that. So it takes the right type of person to be able to kind of, you know, get in the space of of, of heart rate variability. But if you're in that space of wanting to be able to be effective, be efficient, be able to perform at the highest level possible, making sure that you're doing everything to, you know, to live a healthier, better life, right? And and you have your interest in be able to do that. Um, you're spending time of, of looking at how do I, am I on the right food? Am I, you know, doing the right things with friends? Am I doing that type of stuff? I find it uh, that to be to, to the right person. So, you know, why, why would you want to be able to monitor, you know, HRV? And to me, it's, it's to, to look at effectiveness because again, like I said, we're all busy. We can all eat better. We can all do these things, but to be able to figure out what are the biggest impacts of to my health and well-being that would make that, that I, I should spend time doing comparatively to to others, right? Like sometimes I see people that are just hyper focused on their sleep, and I completely understand the value of sleep, but they're already doing like 93, 94% of what you're supposed to be doing already. And they're so obsessed about how can I get these last couple things where it's like maybe the priority isn't there for you. It, maybe the value is not necessarily focusing on going from a 93 to a 97% of doing everything perfectly when it comes to sleep. But what are the other factors of your health and well-being that are possibly limiting what's going on that can make sure that you live a long, healthy, lasting life? So it's about, to me with HRV, why would somebody do it, is to put your focus on specific areas that improve your health and well-being. That is a fascinating aspect. Why should you live well? And uh, I would love to add to it that why should you explore? Like why go to Mars? Why go to the moon? Right. It's how there's no need, uh, but it's how humans are built uh, potentially. Right. And uh, I think this has been a fantastic journey in terms of understanding more about such an interesting biomarker. And uh, of course, through this platform and uh, otherwise as well, we would love to figure out ways to partner and uh, bring science to this space. This is probably one of the most interesting phases of human health where engineers, sports scientists, doctors, and general people who also call themselves biohackers are actually trying to figure out what is the future of human health. 